runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 534, Azure Stack Update with guest Jeffrey Snover, recorded Friday, May 12, 2017. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. I'm here at Build, actually getting a chance to do a few Run Ases, also a bunch of .NET Rocks, and found myself a Jeffrey Snover. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? I get to see you at conferences these days. I know. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we always have a good time. Highlight of my, of my oh, week. Ah, you're very, very kind. <laughs> and I, I'm technically, I'm an RD. Actually, no, not technically. I really am an RD. So, see, so you, you address what? the regional directors. Oh, yeah, yeah. The influencer right. program. You missed my talk. I did. Man, I was rocking that thing. I, that was crazy. You know, they said, oh, you got an hour. I thought, I got more content, but I'll just go fast. Right. And then they said, oh, you start at uh, 845. I was like, wait, so I go to 945? They're like, no, you only have 45 minutes. Wow. So I was flying. You just powered through. Well, the, the guy said great things about, oh, your, did they? about your stuff. Oh, yeah. The, the RDs are a tough crowd. They're very experienced, uh-huh. you know, Microsoft stack Absolutely. And, and architects and things like that. So I got to be fun to talk to them, too. But, you know, the thing I wanted to address was, you know, I'm now focused in on Azure Stack. And what it turns out is that uh, Azure Stack is one of those things everybody projects all their hopes, dreams, and ambitions into. And so my job is to be super clear about what it is and what it isn't, and the benefits of it versus the public cloud versus virtualization. A lot of people still want, what they really want is virtualization, not a a cloud mindset. That is a conversation I've had fairly often about cloud as architecture rather than cloud as product. Yeah, right. It's like this, I'm going to use VMs, no machine is special, uh, we're going to be able to shift load, you know, shift load seamlessly, no downtime on all those mm-hmm. things. It's just that's a normal part of our practice. Yeah. And also this tendency to, to to just build new instances of of workloads rather than to modify the existing ones. Just exactly. Now, just down. to be clear, you know, Azure Stack is going to support IaaS. Okay. So if you have some VMs and you want to run it there, that's happy days. Right. But concretely, it is an integrated system. Mm. Now, an integrated system, you should think about it. the thing that I find that helps people resonate. This isn't a perfect analogy but it works, get you through the knothole, is you should think about Azure Stack as like the cloud equivalent of a SAN, a oh, storage area network, right? Okay. So think about that. You think about it, you say, oh, with a SAN, you pick a vendor and you pick a capacity. Right. That's it. Yeah. You don't say, well, you know, I really was, I saw, I read, I read EE Times last night and there's this new NIC coming out and there's new memory tech. No, 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 no. You pick a vendor at capacity, they roll it in, they install it for you. Mm-hmm. There's some systems integration task. And after that, you know, after a day, you're using it. Right. That's the model, And that's right? the limit. And I think we talked a little bit about this at Ignite as well, the earlier show. You guys update it too. We update it. We yeah. have the whole life cycle. Okay. Installation, configuration, operations, update, security. 
the whole enchilada. And is it actually Microsoft delivering the hardware, or is there third parties? No, it's this? third parties. So okay. we work with integrated system vendors. So we work with Dell, mm-hmm. HP, Lenovo. Right. Later in the fall, we'll work with Cisco as well. Nice. Yeah, so you okay. pick your vendor, pick a size. Well, and these are all names we know, right? So that means I could probably tie it into my existing uh, acquisition licensing and contracts. Now, here's the interesting thing. A lot of people, when they hear that, oh, integrated system, they think gold-plated software. They think they're going to be playing through the nose. Right. So here's the deal. The vendors haven't publicly announced their pricing, okay. but we had an Azure uh, airlift, right, where we invited service providers and the hardware vendors mm-hmm. to get together. Now, honestly, we had expected, you know, two, two fifty, three hundred people. We had over a thousand. Wow. It was crazy. It's like, oh, uh, we need to get a bigger room. We yeah. need a bigger boat. Yeah, you need a much bigger. <laughs> That's like the whole convention center at the campus. It was huge. Yeah, actually, we went off site. Oh wow! And and uh, again, they didn't uh, disclose their numbers publicly. But for the people who were qualified leads, they went in a room, disclosed pricing. And then people walked out with big smiles in their face and people in orders in hand. Wow. So, so it know, was good enough that the reaction of the, of the folks who are considering this is just like, take my money, please. Take my Let, money, Let's please. do this. Right. So when you hear gold plate, now again, the details matter and what's a large amount to you might be a small amount to right. someone else, et cetera. So you got to go get the details. But here's the thing. Don't think by definition, it means yeah. very expensive stuff. The whole point about the cloud is doing great things with cheap stuff. Right. That's the heart of it. Right, because you don't have to have gold-plated gear because nothing is, everything is virtual. It can break and it won't impact. Exactly. It's designed to be robust Mm. in the face of failure. Right. And so because it's in the face of failure, that means I don't have to spend extraordinary amounts of money trying to buy the best component that will never fail. It's like, I'm going to buy a good one and it is going to fail. That's okay. There's no drama. And there's another one. Exactly. (laughs) And another one. We're going to buy three. Now, if I have Azure Stack in my organization, am I still just using the Azure portal? It's just that whether I'm porting it pointing at the public cloud or at the at my on-prem cloud, it's the same thing? Yeah, so here's the thing. All those things, the portal, the PowerShell tools, mm-hmm. the uh, Visual Studio tools, it's just a different URL. Interesting. And so Azure Stack, now here's the interesting one. Azure Stack, in fact, has two portals. Okay. Two instances of the same portal, actually. Mm-hmm. One is for the tenants. That's exactly the same experience you're going to get at the public cloud. Right. And then there's one for the fabric administrator. Ah. And they have to be separate because they're different attack vectors. But this also speaks to an idea that it may be a large organization that wants its own cloud, and so they're going to use Azure Stack, but it could also be a reseller. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so somebody who's an, an, a regional ISP, you know, has some competitive advantage in the, in the area they're working in, but can offer Azure. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, they're very excited about that. You know, a lot of things. So there's kind of, uh, since the last time we talked, Mm -hmm. we got very crisp about, oh, you know, you can use Azure Stack for this, this, and this. And then somebody would say, "But, but over time, you know, you can do that in the public cloud. It's like, yeah, that's true. So then we got crisp about the three, what we think are the enduring scenarios. Okay. And they are edge and disconnected, Mm -hmm. support any regulation, and modernizing applications. So the edge, right, disconnected. Uh, Hey, you want to have a cloud application, but you're in a submarine. Right. Not going to work. Tricky. Or, more more mainstream, a cruise ship. Right. Right? Hey, you're connected when you're in port, but not when you're out at sea. Right. So So there's lots of cases. Or factory floor. Think about this. You could be connected in a factory floor, but as you gather sensor information and then control your robots, do you really want the internet in that loop? Yeah, no. I don't want the latency. Well, or connectivity problems. Like if there's something wrong with the internet and you lose control of your robot, here's a note to self. 
always keep control of the, the robots. robots. It's important. So I worked work with a, a company many years ago manufacturing hard drives whose name I will leave out. Oh, I did and, that. And we did... Um, we were doing the analytics side because at the speed they were manufacturing the drives, the milliseconds mattered for the number of drives that were wrong. By the time it got to the test stack, you probably made 30 drives wrong. Yes. And so the, 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 the literally the milliseconds between when you get a failed test and you can stop the line affected how many drives you now had to pull off the line there you to go. deal with. So that's the edge, sure. right? Where you want to take advantage of latency and connectivity. And then there's the, for regulations, there are certain, uh, like great example is we have a customer who has a public, they wrote a public, a cloud application running in public Azure. Right. And they, all their affiliates throughout the world are using that. Mm -hmm. But then there are certain geographies where they can't because of government regulations. Sure. So they're going to take that application and run it in an instance of Azure Stack running in those countries. Interesting. But, but it's I, the same application. Because I know that Azure has gone to set up a special version of Azure in, in Germany, for yep. example, to comply with their rules. Yep. So rather than wait for you to do it, whatever country I'm dealing with, I could do it myself. Exactly. Provision the gear in the same system, and if and when you guys show up, then we can figure out how we want to do that. Yep. But in the meantime, you can actually work on that same product. Stack. Yeah. By the way, so we say regulation, but mm -hmm. the reality is a whole bunch of people just want their data there. Yeah. They're yeah. just comfortable. The data sovereignty is important Absolutely. to a lot of organizations. And sure. you know, being a Canadian, I, when you guys set up in Montreal, that site filled up fast. Like, yeah. There's a bunch of Canadians who want to use the cloud, and data sovereignty is important. We want to yep. stay within our borders. And then the third scenario is monetization of apps. So think now in t terms of like compute gravity. Mm -hmm. You have a mainframe or a, a legacy Oracle system, right. and you want to uh, modernize that thing, put a modern cloud front end of it, right? Mm -hmm. You want that thing to be close to the, the compute. Don't send us your mainframe. We're not right. accepting not it. And right. we're putting up with that in an <laughs> Azure data center. We'll take Azure and let you put it in front of that. Right. So you get that modern architecture. And perhaps, like I said, it's a transitioning workload. We could be gradually moving off that mainframe eventually and then could take it somewhere Yeah, that's the strangler pattern, right? Mm -hmm. The design pattern. You go put a front end in it and then you grow it larger and larger yeah, and larger. And at some point, strangle the, the back end and, 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 then, and then you can go anywhere you want. I have been working with a couple of customers whose remaining COBOL developers are in their late 60s on extended contracts and they really want to retire. Uh -huh. And we are trying hard to get the last of the workloads off the um, Sky, um, Hitachi Skylines. Wow. Like just, yeah, S360 architecture, they're good machines. Like I have nothing bad to say about that machine. They work oh, forever. Yeah. But getting the development resources for them is incredibly hard now and we've just got to do something else. There's yep. no way around it. Uh, but yeah, so I, mean, I love that. You know, once upon a time that was OS2 that was the front end. <laughs> I like that we that you're not building something that's a transition version that's going to have to be treated differently when it goes into the cloud. So it's right. all the same thing all the way along. So those are sort of the three enduring uh, uh, scenarios. Reliable scenarios. Yeah, exactly. Um, what products are we getting in Azure Stack? Like, do we can we have everything? The services? Yeah. Uh, well, let's. Let, here's the example I love to give: content distribution networks. Azure has one of those. Yes. Probably don't want one of those in your four-node system. A little tricky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So no, and there is a very long tail of services there. Yeah. So here's what we did was, uh, you know, sat down and we looked at the things in the Azure marketplace mm -hmm. and then talked to developers about what the, the core services that they use to write a modern application. Okay. And so basically that defines the set of services, right? So blob, table storage, mm -hmm. um, API, web, um, uh, functions. Right. Um, 
API web. I'm missing a few. I don't have them off yeah, the top of my head. But sort of all the core things. The networking rules. like Oh, yeah. All Software that load balancing, gateways, mm -hmm. uh, all that. But not SQL Azure? Uh, not SQL Azure. Okay. Oh, actually, is that true? Uh, not SQL Azure. Right. right. But you, know, you just announced the Cosmos DB. A service. So yeah. that's going to sort of... Yeah, and so just to be clear, right? Anybody who's ever shipped software knows what we're doing here and won't be surprised. Right. If you haven't shipped software, you might say, what? But here's the deal. If you want to ship software, you you don't try and ship a shift. You don't change your goals, right? right? Try and ship something that's moving. Azure's constantly moving. Yes. Tomorrow will be different than today, the day after different than that. So we pick a set of versions and we're going to ship that. Mm -hmm. And then immediately afterwards, we'll do a version sync and get up to date. Right. And then keep up to date. So once, yeah, I think once you commit to a given product that you're going to run in Azure Stack, now it's synced with, with the public cloud. Now here's another thing that people didn't have in focus. Mm -hmm. The heart of Azure Stack is consistent consistency with Azure, right. right? And this is what's required to have a consistent Azure ecosystem, right? The idea is that you as a supplier want to put your solution up in the Azure marketplace and make sure that everybody can use it, right? right? And if somebody's on the cloud equivalent of Windows Server 2003, <laughs> that's not going to work. It's right? not good at all. So too, as a, as a customer, you want to go to the, to the solution and get the maximal number of things. Right. Anything that's there, you want to be able to use. In order for that to to work, everybody has to be roughly on the same version. Yeah. So here's what it means. We will be updating the system and uh, do that on a regular basis. And when an update comes out, the customer will have a choice of when to apply the update, mm -hmm. but not if. Right. If they defer an update for more than six months, they will be out of support. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But they can defer it that long. Yeah. Like, I would think... You get to pitch what day of the week it's coming in on. No, no, no. Things like uh, imagine uh, you know um, uh, Christmas season. Yeah, March Madness. Like you've exactly. got a you've got a two month heavy duty time. It's like leave me alone for these two months. You know that's about it. Think about it. Two months, and then we might be wrong. So let's double that, and make right. it four months, and then let's not. That's it. You're it. out of time. And then, well, and then let's. Uh, and by the way, I'm not sure if we publicly announced. I think the current thinking is it'll be six months. Right. We'll be formal about that when we uh, GA the product, right. but it's around that time frame. Do you we want to be a few very reasonable. Trying this right now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we got a ton of uh, what we call proof of concepts. Mm -hmm. Those are the one-node deployment systems, right. and then we have a number of people where we've worked with the hardware vendors, and they have four-node systems. So actually, we have four, eight, and I think a twelve-node system out there, wow. and they're kicking the tires on that. And and. I guess I said, how many nodes do I need? Like, what's oh, a normal so here's buy? The thing. So we are going to mirror the Azure scale architecture. Okay. There will be multiple regions. Mm -hmm. Within a region, there will be multiple scale sets. Within a scale set, there will be multiple servers. Okay. For version one, we will have one region, one scale set, and then four to 12 nodes. Right. Our next iteration, as we, as we evolve... Uh, the next major thing, we'll add a second region. Why a second region versus a second scale set? Because a second region allows you to write applications that take advantage of that topological difference right. for uh, resilience and robustness. Right. And then we'll have multiple scale outs. Now, and you are talking um, now, I, I have offices in, in London and New York. Yep. And those are my two regions that yep. I, I want to have data centers in both places. Exactly, and have part of the applications running here and part running there. Right. And then the second thing is, um, 
now, four to, to 12 nodes, it turns out that when we looked at people running cloud applications, mm -hmm. um, that size, like 12 nodes, the number of VMs that we'll be able to support, that had dressed more than uh, over 90 some odd percent of the applications running in Azure today. Right. So uh, we're pretty confident in that. That said, if you're a service provider, you're going to want to have multiple of those. So we definitely will be scaling, and we'll be scaling quite large. Our ambitions are, are quite high there. And we've got a standard set of vendors for the hardware. Yeah. Do you see like standard data centers that would run Azure Stack as well? Like when I've had enough experience building these things out, I don't want to own the building if I don't have to. And often I'll go to a colo site yeah, with sure. my racks. You yep. know? Back, back in the good old days, you, you spec'd out the rack from Dell and you asked them to deliver it to this colo site and there were some agreements made and you never touched anything. You know, you know, one day they turned it on for you and you were now able to connect. Yeah, it. absolutely. That, that model makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Often some of these hoteling sites, yeah. are you put your, your, your servers there because they have lower latency, you know, lower, uh, got good shorter paths to all the networks. They hopefully have enough power. That's, and that was about, like these days, I still find there's data centers with half the space empty because power densities are so high and they can't get more power in the building. Right. And HVAC. Yep. Are they able to run cool enough? Although, good news, new machines are running cooler. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to just sort of figure that dynamic out. But if I was seriously considering this, you know, looking through all these options, I'd, the question would be, where can I put it? And am I, as this works for me and I need more, am I going to be able to expand? Do we have those things? And I really, really don't want to own buildings ever again. Right? Yeah, be exactly. Responsible the well, you know, the thing that I think is so exciting about Azure Stack, and the thing, again, I try and help people get their mind around mm -hmm. is, Azure Stack is, you know, Jeffrey Moore has this great model of, hey, you want to, there's core activities and there's context activities. Right. Core activities are those activities that drive your business forward by delivering differentiated value delivery. Absolutely. Context activities are the things you have to do that don't do that. <laughs> so at Microsoft, our core is software, right? right? But our context, we have context activities, right? We have to have uh, receptionists, we have to have cafeterias, mm -hmm. et cetera. But those are things we don't really want to invest our best people in, right? right? So we don't have a technical fellow of cafeterias, no <laughs> distinguished engineers of shuttles, right? Now we spend a lot of money in those things, sure. but we just, that's not where we want to focus our attention. So to sum it up, what you really want to do is you want to build the things that differentiate you and buy everything else. Exactly. Now, when it comes to cloud applications, the cloud application itself is the thing that differentiates you from your competitor. Mm -hmm. But the environment that it runs in does not. Right. So you want to buy that. So here's what I'm saying is, if you really think that you can sell more sneakers than the other guy because you can get the most amount of, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can manage DNS and DHCP better than the other guy, right. one, I doubt it. Mm -hmm. But if you're truly convicted of that, then this is not the product for you. Right. You want virtualization, because with virtualization, we give you the parts and you can put them together any way you want. You can say, I, I read EE Times last night and I heard about this new NIC and I want to use that NIC. Right. Go with God. Not Get out up. your soldering iron, do whatever you want. Yep. Uh, you say, hey, I got these physical hosts and I want my agent on there. I, I demand my agent on there. Go with God, yep. that's you virtualization. This is an integrated system, third party, agents are not allowed on the system itself. Mm -hmm. In the tenant space, do whatever you want. Sure. But in the system, I will never allow a third-party piece of software to ever get between me and an upgrade. Right. So here's the heart of it, right? Architect for Windows Server for many years. Mm -hmm. 
come out with a new version of the OS, and I talk to customers, and I say, why aren't you on it? And they say, oh, I love it. It's fantastic. It's exactly what I need. I said, yeah, why aren't you on it? And they said, well, you must understand. I have this third-party piece of software, and I depend upon it, mm -hmm. and they're not yet available. Right. They haven't, they haven't done their testing to move to the new they version of the OS, testing. so I'm staying put. Or, hey, uh, I'm totally in, except this, in this third-party software, they're available, but they want to charge me a full relicensing fee. Yeah, right. And so it's too expensive. Yeah. Or, more commonly, I have this third-party piece of software, they're out of business. I can never upgrade. Yeah. So now, I'm if you remember, yeah. the heart of Azure Stack is consistency with Azure. Right. So I can never allow anything to ever get between us and upgrading to the next version. Right. So that's why it's, uh, I enforce strict layering. The hardware, I talk to the hardware, you talk to me. Nice. Nothing gets on those physical hosts. Now, the benefit of this is it gives me fantastic security. Sure. I've locked those systems down. I'll have code integrity. I'm using device guard, credential guard. Mm -hmm. I'm locking down the firewalls. I know who should be on those systems, and who they the can talk to, and I'm going to lock it all down. Right. So it's going to be very, very secure. You need one second here, Jeff, to pay the bills because this episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of our leading projects, called Already, focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time. HTBox is deploying this application into the field in 2017, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. And we're doing good things. Yay, that's <laughs> great stuff. Yeah, this fall we're doing, uh, the Red Cross is doing a big push to install smoke detectors in any homes that don't have them all over the U.S. Oh. And they'll be running on our software. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm actually involved in the local Aries team. Yeah. Yeah, emergency yeah. communications. Like, folks generally don't know how heavily Microsoft's involved in disaster response. You guys don't talk about that much. And I don't blame you for not, because there's no good way to talk about that. When, when people are struggling, it's good that we help, but how do you talk about it as it look? inappropriate. Yeah, right. But, uh, it's nice to know, you know, I've worked with a lot of those folks in my involvement with Humanitarian Toolbox. You do. Yeah. You get out there and you help people however you can and then you move on. And it's like you get them back on their feet and go into the next thing. I, I was going to ask about the security side of things because I think it's one of the big strengths of Azure as a whole. But I've always had the sense, or at least I've thought this, maybe you can dissuade me of this, that part of this was you guys employ the best security people on the planet these exactly. days to take care of your cloud. So my cloud's now included in that? You're going to be monitoring that too? No, we will not be monitoring that. But okay. we'll be learning the lessons and taking those lessons and applying it. Okay. So basically, you know, I did a, a talk on, about this. Mm -hmm. You know, I was originally a, a security pessimist. Yes. And for many, many years. And, uh, and then at some point, I became a security optimist. And mm. I talk about this, if anybody's interested in the details, I gave a keynote at DerbyCon last year mm -hmm. where I go through the details. And the, specifically is that uh, the cloud gives us a larger aperture. There were two things that made me optimistic. One is the cloud gave us a larger aperture. Right. And so we can invert the de defender's dilemma. The defender's dilemma is, well, the, the attacker only has to get it right once. Right. Right? Well, when I, ha I run in a very large percentage of the world's workload, an attack on anyone I have visibility into, I can see the signature of the attack and then protect everyone. Right. Okay? Yeah. And guess what? Our buddies at our competitors, we're all aligned on helping each other on security. Right. So an you attack make, on any of us. You make the marketplace, but nobody wants the black hats in. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we cooperate there. So an attack on any of us is we consider an attack on all of us. We figure out the signature and we all get better. Mm -hmm. So we're effectively building a herd immunity 
to these right. bad guys. Now, that takes a while to build, but it's mm-hmm. going to be very successful. Now, the other thing that made me so optimistic, and it really was Azure Stack that got me through this knothole, was that I was pessimistic because as the architect of Windows Server, how do I lock it down? Sure. And the answer is it's a general purpose operating system. I have no idea what you need, right. and therefore I have no idea how to lock it down. But in Azure Stack, I got a gazillion moving parts. Mm -hmm. Now that's one of the challenges of Azure Stack. How do I get all those moving parts deployed, configured, and then updated properly? But it offers me this fantastic opportunity. I know exactly what should be running where and who they should be talking to. So I can say, this and only this code should be running here. Mm -hmm. This is the only things that should be talking there. So I've got like four layers of network protection. Yeah, Four layers. Because you know exactly what machines will talk to other machines, what port they're talking on, what the protocol looks like, and you can allow nothing else. Exactly. And so, it, and it's defense in depth. Mm-hmm. So we use virtual LANs, mm-hmm. all right? We use Tor ACLs, top of ratch switch ACLs. We use SDN ACLs. And then in the individual machines, we use internal firewall wow. rules. So yeah, and uh, we're very optimistic here. Let me be really quick and say... We always try and be very humble about mm-hmm. security, uh, and, and, and it requires the customer to be vigilant as well. Yeah. But that said, I am pretty optimistic. Yeah. And, and we've got, we've got uh, two external pen testers coming to attack the system, mm-hmm. uh, give us all the details. You know, I'm uh, uh, very uh, committed to making this an ultra-secure system. I, I do think, I mean, uh, funny, I've been working on history stuff around Microsoft for quite a while, so I sort of talk about the early days, the Slimer viruses and things like oh. that. It's like, you know, Microsoft learned lessons early about hard, the challenges of being in front, so attack the most, and you've, you've kind of gotten your security humility mm-hmm. down years ago. Yeah. And, I'm, and I appreciate that, you know, you go through, these are all the things we're doing. It doesn't guarantee anything. It makes it bloody hard. Harder. You raise the bar. The bad guys, in fact, we designed it that way. Mm -hmm. We designed it assuming that the bad guys will get in. Right. It is is successful and popular and large and worth the commitment of talented people. Although you think they'd be good guys if they were talented who are going to try and find opportunities. Yeah. So we built it so it's compartmentalized Mm -hmm. that if you get this, it doesn't mean you get everything. So think of it as the design of a submarine. It's intrinsically built to say, I can have a problem here, and I just seal it off. Right. The whole ship doesn't go down. So and that's how we've designed Azure Stack. And so for that security herd mentality, an exploit somewhere in Azure, when you, f- you find that exploit, deal with it, lock it down, I will be getting the benefit of that as an Azure Stack customer. Yeah. So that's coming to me. Yeah. Which sort of points the way for the bad guys to say, you should try and go after the Azure Stack customers first. But mm. I don't know if they'll actually do that. <laughs> it so it's a smaller tax surface, mm-hmm. really makes more sense to go after the big toys. Uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about security, too, because I, I mean, you can't not deal with this and live in the cloud, but that's not necessarily been your ballywick. You know, you're, not the, you're, the follow, you're the father of PowerShell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let me be clear. I'm, I'm passionate about security mm-hmm. versus competent about security. <laughs> <laughs> I want to draw that distinction really, really crisply. That said, I've got some fantastic people I mean, just really fantastic really, people. Really and the answer hard. is, you know, when you just drill in, well, what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and you just do that year after year after year, you know, kind of sets a tone and sets a, hey, a bar. I'm thinking about those. So, things. yeah, I mean, so, that's my contribution is is caring. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and, 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 and prioritizing. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, yes. So, I mean, I do still feel like I would go into Azure Stack wanting networking and virtual machines, 
And then we, you sort of decide where you're going to go in the services from there. But initially working, moving work, in my experience, moving workloads into cloud architecture has been mm -hmm. shift the VMs, then dismantle them into services. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and so these are the piece, this is exactly the pieces you have available for me. I can get my VMs in, and then, I don't know, I'm, se I'm sexy on serverless these days. So oh, start yeah, making like Azure that? Functions out of things. We've done some great shows with the guys, you know, super smart people inside of Microsoft sure. doing them. And, and it's just, the software looks so different. You uh -huh. kind of, there's no monoliths anymore. Yeah. Everything is small and agile. Uh, what about Service Fabric? Is that part of the, the Azure Stack So offering? Service Fabric and uh, Azure Container Services mm -hmm. will be shipping on Azure Stack shortly after GA. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's on the roadmap. And I kind of yeah. think that roadmap's going to be endless. There's always more things Absolutely. that they're building for the public cloud. Somebody said, oh, uh, you know, what are you going to do after version one? I said, well, it's a trick question. <laughs> here, here, it's a trick answer. Yeah. Uh, answer is, uh, refresh, uh, you know, resync with Azure versions. Right. Expand Azure services. Work on fundamentals. Yeah. And those are the things we're going to do forever. Yeah. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. That's Rinse all we're going to do. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. It's there is no. Let me be clear about this. There is no Azure Stack agenda separate from Azure. Right. Azure Stack is not an alternative to Azure. It is an augment to Azure. Mm -hmm. You know. So if you ask, well, what about this, this, and this? Often the answer will be. Ask Azure, right. and then we will follow. Because you do have other Azures too, right? There's a government Azure, yep. and there's a, is there a military Azure as well? Uh, well, there's basically there's uh, what we call, there's the public cloud Azure, mm -hmm. and then there are sovereign Azures. Okay. There's a, a number of sovereign Azures. That, that you operate on behalf of different organizations. Actually, uh, uh, some of these we do not operate Oh, them. interesting. Yeah, okay. right? Because then that's a tie. So uh, often they're operated by someone else. Right, but they are your architecture. It's another kind of Azure stack? Yeah. In some respects? Yeah, but those, those are true Azure sites. Right. Yeah, so they're, they're and one of, the, one of the hopes is uh, that uh, you know we'll get Azure to the point, Azure Stack to the point where it can be large enough that it can start playing that role as well. As, the, as a sovereign Azure. Yeah, exactly. Right, like if, if uh, 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 Turks and Caicos wanted mm -hmm. to run one, we'd have to say, nah, can you start with about you know, 1,200 servers? And yeah. they'd say no and say, I can't help you. Yeah. Whereas if we said, hey, Azure Stack, maybe that's a good size. Right, sort of bring, the, and they, then they can gradually get into that and expand it as they need to as well. Yeah, exactly. It's very interesting. You know, it, in some ways it seems like, because it made sense you went to these big customers first that wanted their own flavor of Azure essentially, and now you've been able to pull it down to a place where we can get into a smaller commitment for an ordinary organization to, to experiment where they see fit. Yeah. I feel like for a lot of folks listening, I would want to go to a local service provider for my Azure Stack. Oh, we definitely support yeah, that. Azure Stack is multi-tenant, mm -hmm. so you can do that within your company or a service provider. And they were very, I mentioned these thousand people that showed up at the sure. Azure Air Stack Airlift. Most of those were service providers. Right. They are this very the they want to sell. Absolutely. And so there's got to be a billing system built in, there's got to be all of that mechanism around how do I sell it and, and, and get paid for this service? Oh, now, did we talk about the business model? No. Oh, so the business model, and, and why does a technology guy talking about business model? In general, <laughs> I say, never ask a technical fellow about a schedule or a, a, a licensing. And I'm going to make one exception here. It's because I'm so excited about this difference. Hmm. So basically, it's you have your choice, right? right? But the heart, what we want to do is to do a pay-as-you-go model, which okay. is to say, if you don't use it, you don't pay for it. Interesting. More specifically, if you can't use it, 
you can't pay for it. Right. So what does that mean? That means I'm on the hook. I, I only succeed if you succeed. I only degree, succeed to the degree to which you succeed. So guess what? If I deliver this to you and you can't get it running, like, hey, in the past, I give you, uh, you buy hardware, right. you buy my CD-ROM, they get their money, I get my money. If you can't get the thing running for six months, well, I feel bad, yeah. but I got my money, yeah, right? Paid. So so it's hard to like, have an institutional response to go address that. Here, if I deliver this to you and you can't get it running for six months, I get no money, literally. So that's what's so exciting is it makes the physics align where my, you, I only succeed when the customer succeeds. I can't tell you how thrilled I am about that. That's a, I mean, it's, it gets you guys all in alignment. But still, when we're talking about the pricing model, are you paying for the hardware up front? Yeah. Or are you, and then you have a service agreement going forward. Yes. And and that's going to Microsoft. Yes. Okay. And then what happens is if you for those companies who don't want variability mm-hmm. or don't want any public, you know, anyone to know their usage, mm-hmm. think black sites. Sure. Um, you can have a capacity buyout. Right. It says, hey, here's my capacity, and here's what I'll pay for the year. Right. Yeah. So if you have that choice. What I want but the thing that you know, honestly, I'll just I'll just share one of my. Very the, one of the failures, my personal failure that I regret the most. Hmm. That is, year after year after year, I've been trying to drive two things and failed, failed, failed. Hmm. That is good error messages yeah. and diagnostics. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I've been unable to crack that nut. But now it's going to be cracked for me. Right. You know, a lousy error message. Oh well, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, you had our time there. Right. Like, right. But, but now, now that lousy air message. message, one of two things are going to happen. One is you were either we're not going to get our money because mm-hmm. you couldn't get your job done, or that person's going to get a call at three o'clock in the morning and say, "Hey, Bucko, yeah. what the heck what did this? you mean by that?" Because <laughs> we have very uh, uh, tight SLAs with our with our uh, service agreement sure. with our with our support staff to support them. Yeah. So you know, and Sacha said it so well. He said, "I don't know. You know, it's like magic. You put this thing called a pager on a developer's uh, belt, and the software gets better." <laughs> hey, Adrian Cockcroft has that line too. He says, "When oh, we started." For Netflix, back when he was in Netflix, yeah. says, when we started calling the developers at 3 a.m. for outages, we had a lot fewer outages. Yeah. <laughs> you get better error messages. Yeah. You're going to get good diagnostics. So I'm very optimistic about it's that. good to have a, a, all that aligned. So uh, do we have a sense of GA? When's this going to happen? It's happening in the middle of this year. Wow. Okay. Now let me be clear about that. So there is RTM. What we do is we finish our software and then we hand it off to the hardware guys because it's an integrated system. Right. And then what they do is they go through their quality process and then each one of those guys will have their own time frame. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely this year. Right. You know, so sometime this year. year you could be running uh, a, a set of machines on the Azure stack. Yeah. Somewhere. In yes. On-premise or you know, in your favorite colo and uh, have your own piece of the cloud. Yep. Jeff, always fun to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, always it's a pleasure. It's good to do it in person, huh? We never really get to do this you know, remotely. But. Yeah, well, you know, we had that fantastic Ignite talk. Oh, yeah. They, well, before we you did the show. tell that story. I didn't yeah, tell the story. that was so cool. Before we I did like the show, that. you asked me to come and meet you so we could record a show. And you, they were a group of students, weren't they? Yes. So you're, I, I step into the room, and I see you in a huddle. I'm like, oh, I'm interrupting. I said, no, 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 come in, come in, come in. 
group of students, and they're all inventors. Yes. They all want to build their own companies. And, and they were from all over the world. All over the world. A number from Africa mm -hmm. and Asia. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you've, you've worked in a lot of organizations. You have a bunch of patents to your name. Like, you've built product that way. But it's all corporate stuff. Sure. So I'm giving them, like, one angle. Oh, here's yeah. the corporate. And, and I say, Richard, come on in. Yeah, and I'm and a startup guy. So. Exactly. So you were able to add all that startup. Oh, yeah. and here's a way to think about it. And how do you, how do you evolve your company going sure. forward? And you can just see the eyes, like, lighting them in. They're, like, leaning in. Yeah. We got we, we we were a good team that day, sir. We got to do more of that. But no, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Right? That was yeah. That I was like I like lighting up by the uh, minds like that. It's like don't worry, this can be done. You can do this. Yeah, like, there's lots of opportunity. Uh, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for making another great show with me. I uh, hope you had a great build. I know you've been working hard. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. <laughs> <laughs>